Hello, my name is Michael Albert, and I am the host of the podcast titled Revolution Z. This is episode number 44 of Revolution Z, and it is the 10th session devoted to conveying the dialogue and visuals of the screenplay and hoped-for movie titled Next American Revolution. So imagine you were in a movie theater. You are viewing Next American Revolution, which you are three-quarters into. The scene is a park where you see Miguel Guevara talking with Peter Cabral about culture vision. Miguel Guevara asks, Peter, what about culture vision? Peter Cabral replies, RPS says we need to appreciate the historical contributions of different communities more than ever before. We need to guarantee cultures greater rather than lesser means for further development. The scene shifts to a classroom where young Peter Cabral teaches the class. Young Peter Cabral says to the class, We know from history that cultural beliefs and habits give people a sense of who they are and where they come from. But we also know that in a competitive environment, religious, racial, ethnic, and national communities often fight one another. We, RPS that is, conclude that cultural salvation lies in eliminating racist institutions, dispelling racist ideologies, and changing the environments within which historical communities interrelate. Perhaps the main change is that communities should be able to maintain and celebrate differences without fear of subjugation. A student says, Is the logic of that that it will guarantee every community can carry on its traditions and self-definitions? Young Peter Corral replies, Exactly. It ensures that the interaction of our many cultures enhances the characteristics of each and provides a richness that no single approach can ever attain. We call that intercommunalism. The scene shifts to a park, where the interview continues while Guevara and Cabral walk by a pond with an ice cream truck in the background with kids ordering. Miguel Guevara says, But is reaching that goal possible? Peter Cabral replies, It will be difficult, yes. We are talking about overcoming a horrific legacy, and that is why, until a lengthy history of autonomy and solidarity overcomes suspicion and fear, we need to make it incumbent on more powerful communities to unilaterally de-escalate disputes they have with less powerful communities. Guevara asks, what about violations of that instruction? Jan Cabral replies, we will need oversight by an intercommunal legal apparatus specializing in conflict resolution, at least until a different historical legacy prevails. But on the road to future harmony, RPS has to prioritize overcoming racist structures and habits. Communities must have free entry and exit. They must have guaranteed means of their own preservation. They must have freedom from fear of assimilation or domination. And of course, they must have all the benefits and all the other social opportunities, political and economic, that society affords. The scene shifts to a den where Miguel Guevara questions Andres Goldman. Miguel Guevara asks, Andres, what about economic vision? Andres Goldman replies, RPS economics must produce desired goods and services, but also desirable self-management, equity, solidarity, and diversity. In the RPS view, workplace and community councils will give each actor a say proportionate to the impact of the decided issue on them. In capitalist corporations, 20% of employees do work that enlarges their confidence, increases their social skills, enhances their knowledge of the workplace, and enlarges their initiative. 80% do work that reduces their confidence, social skills, and knowledge, and that exhausts them. RPS calls the 20% the coordinator class, and the 80% the working class. 
RPS feels that there can be no self-management or equity if this division persists. The scene shifts to an RPS class where young Andres Goldman teaches. Young Andres Goldman says to the class, We have to eliminate capitalist ownership, of course, but also the coordinator class doing all empowering work. Everyone should own equally, but more than that, everyone should do a mix of tasks they are comfortable at, where each person's tasks are comparably empowering. We call that balanced job complexes. A female student asks, what about income? What is responsible? What works? Young Andres Goldman replies, RPS says people too young or too old or otherwise unable to work should nonetheless receive a full income. But people who can work should have an income reflecting the duration, intensity, and onerousness of their socially valued labor. I shouldn't be remunerated for anything for which I can't produce outputs that others value, but I should be remunerated for socially valuable work. And I should earn more for working longer, for working more intensely, or for working at more onerous tasks than others. That is fair. It provides sensible incentives, and it conveys essential indicators of people's preferences. A male student asks, what about allocation? Young Goldman answers, RPS rejects competitive or authoritarian allocation and instead advocates cooperative negotiation among workers and consumers. Worker and consumer councils enter their desires and steadily update their offers in light of others' offers. Community and industry agencies summarize information. Workers and consumers assess costs and benefits and learn of new jobs and products in ways that enable them to self-manage production and consumption in light of personal, social, and environmental costs and benefits. The scene shifts to an assembly hall, where young Andres Goldman has just given a speech and is still on stage to hear questions and concerns. A male critic from the audience says, Your aims are morally nice, but incredibly unreal. Your equitable remuneration seems fair, but would not elicit creativity and productivity. Your balanced job complexes and self-management would avoid class division, but they would sacrifice quality. Your participatory planning would involve everyone but squander efficiency. Your views are nonsense on stilts. Young Andres Goldman replies, On the contrary, Equitable remuneration is morally sound, socially positive, and will also provide appropriate incentives to work harder, longer, or at more onerous tasks producing socially valued products. Balanced jobs and self-management are fair, and they will also unleash otherwise stunted human capacities of 80% of the workforce and eliminate wasteful class conflict. Participatory planning not only involves everyone, it will eliminate the motivational and informational ills of markets, the authoritarianism of central planning, and the ecological irrationality of both. A female audience critic says, So you claim, but why your economic vision and not others from the past? Young Goldman responds, Unlike some who've gone before, RPS doesn't exaggerate economics as if it alone is important. We don't opt for markets or central planning at the expense of solidarity, self-management, and ecology. We don't impose class rule by denying coordinator worker hierarchy and preserving corporate divisions of labor. We don't overcome the old boss just to elevate a new boss. The female audience critic asks, So is what you seek socialism, but with a twist? Young Goldman answers, For a long time, socialism meant mainly no private ownership plus central planning and political authoritarianism. Then, for Bernie Sanders and a number of subsequent electoral candidates, socialism came to mean New Deal-type government intervention on behalf of those in need. Female audience critic interrupts. 
Okay, but still, is what you seek socialism, but with a twist? Young Goldman answers, if by socialism you mean the first type, our twist is such a huge basic transformation that using the same term would be senseless. If by socialism you mean the second kind, then our twist is a fundamental enlargement and enrichment, getting to the heart of matters rather than stopping at corrective policies without changing underlying institutions. The female critic persists. Still, is RPS seeking socialism or not? Young Goldman answers. RPS seeks a goal profoundly different than the first thing that socialism meant, which was authoritarian, class-divided, market- or centrally-planned economics, plus, usually, a one-party state, a la the old Soviet Union, for example. It was often called 20th century socialism. And the RPS goal also differs profoundly by being much, much more than the second thing socialism meant, which was, ultimately, just capitalism, but with the government trying to seriously alleviate the pains of, and even to significantly benefit, working people. And that was often called social democracy. Nonetheless, many in RPS call our economic aim participatory socialism and try to alter the word socialism's connotations. I do that sometimes, and other times I call our economic aim participatory economics, and our overall aim participatory society, to avoid confusion over the word socialism's various connotations. But in either case, we all seek the same new system, and that's what matters. The scene shifts back to the den where the interview continues. Miguel Guevara asks, were there objections from inside RPS? The scene shifts to an RPS assembly hall where young Andres Goldman talks with skeptical RPS members, including young Anton Rocker, 33, dressed in a work outfit. Young Anton Rocker comments, I get that we need full classlessness, but I think we can't afford to lose coordinators' potential support. I prefer to offer a less controversial vision, closer to current potentials, so we don't immediately challenge coordinator class advantages. Young Andres Goldman replies, I agree we shouldn't write the coordinator class off. Of course not. We want lawyers, doctors, and engineers involved. But not admitting our full aims would be dishonest, and more, it would repel many workers, corrode morale, and risk entrenching coordinator rule. Why can't we tell the truth about what we want and also reach many coordinators without risking workers feeling jettisoned? Critics' fears that the full vision will cause some coordinators to not relate to RPS are correct. But as each year passes, I believe more coordinator class members will join and classlessness will remain the goal. The scene shifts to a living room where Miguel Guevara questions Anton Rocker, 55, writer-organizer. Miguel Guevara asks, Anton, where do we stand regarding new workplaces? Anton Rocker replies, I remember a trip to Columbus, Ohio. I arrived and was given a tour of an occupied workplace. The scene shifts to a workplace floor where workers talk with young Anton Rocker in work clothes. A stocky Ohio worker says, Our firm was tanking and the owners sold off its assets. We took over to run the firm ourselves. Nearly all the managers and engineers left due to thinking that without the owners the firm would collapse. A tall Ohio worker continues, In situations like ours, with workers restarting firms, sometimes workers make incomes equitable and institute workplace democracy, but ignore job definitions and operate with little change regarding markets. Other times, transformation includes balancing jobs and instituting full worker self-management. In the former case, the struggle continues and becomes a contest between coordinators and workers. In the latter case, the struggle continues but becomes workers against old habits and the pressures of the market and banks. Young Anton Rocker replies, 
How do your relatives and friends who still work at typical workplaces regard your efforts? The Stocky Ohio Worker answers, I rarely talk about our project with family and friends. They will do what we are doing only if their owners cash out so they have no choice but to take over or to become unemployed. Young Anton Rocker says, I don't get it. Would you now take an old-style job, giving up having any say and, and no longer having balanced jobs if I offered you higher pay to do so? The tall worker replies, No, wages matter, but so does dignity. And in any case, we get better pay too. Young Rocker says, Then why can't you explain the benefits to your relatives and friends so they pursue similar aims even before their owners cash out? A stocky worker replies, shrugging, Just like we didn't, they won't, until they become desperate. The scene changes back to the living room, and the interview continues. Anton Rocker says, Even now, after so much more progress, I wonder what caused that mindset. Perhaps hopelessness, but the view came from people who had great hope, at least for themselves. Maybe they sought to avoid clashing with relatives and friends, even if clashing could open a path to greater well-being. Maybe it was just habit. For so long, people had been so reserved about all social issues. Whatever its cause, if that approach had persisted, each transformed workplace would be isolated. We had to overcome workers' reticence to reach out. The scene shifts back to the workplace floor, where discussion continues. Young Anton Rocker says, Whatever your reasons for not talking with friends and family about your accomplishments, can you see why a co-op transforming, a corporation undergoing internal struggles, and a new firm succeeding, each have to see their task as not simply establishing their own firm, but also enlisting others to do likewise? RPS has to emphasize creating federations of transformed workplaces that prioritize mutual aid, defense, and insurance against setbacks, and that sponsor events bringing workers from advanced projects to speak at other venues. The scene returns to the living room, where the interview continues. Anton Rocker says, Before RPS, we had nearly 30 million small businesses in the U.S., About 20,000, which sounds like a lot, but is less than a tenth of a percent, had more than 500 employees. Today, I would guess we have perhaps 5 million well-established RPS small businesses and another 5 million that will join the RPS count without much more change. And RPS ideas battle for influence and all the rest as well. We have about 3,500 person or more RPS-oriented workplaces, and another 4,000 undergoing major struggles. And all 20,000 have RPS-style campaigns and growing degrees of council organization. All over society, momentum is now ours. It comes from workers forming into councils, striking, winning gains, and finally occupying and taking over firms, with each step prodding and helping the next. And that said, I hope you will agree that this is a good spot to pause our effort to relate the movie Next American Revolution until our 11th episode on the Hope for film in a couple of days. Meanwhile, I really do hope you will seriously consider Hoping Revolution Z. To do so, you can visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash revolutionz. Patreon is a site that facilitates people supporting projects they appreciate, in this case, Revolution Z. You can also visit our ZNet Revolution pages for more information and to learn various ways to conveniently access all the past in each new episode, and to see an archive of all episodes, which is particularly valuable because Revolution Z content is not time-bound, but instead meant to be of lasting interest. Another option is to simply promote Revolution Z to friends and others, using social media, email, or word of mouth. Such activity is really the main means for our audience to grow. 
We need you to help us. And so finally, this is Michael Albert signing off for now for Revolution Zoo.